Welcome to the inaugural NEP Wildland Podcast with me, Penny Green, ecologist at NEP, and this episode I have with me Sideshow Dave. Nightingales are a long-distance migrant. Overwintering in sub-Saharan Africa, they come to Europe in the spring to breed. The UK is at the most northern edge of the nightingale's range. Sadly, though, this bird has seen a 91% decline over the past 50 years. The British Trust for Ornithology estimates that we only have five to 6,000 individuals left, and it is a red-list bird of conservation concern. Kent, Sussex and Suffolk are its last strongholds, and NEP is proving to be a key refuge for this bird. Join us now on some nocturnal and dawn surveys to hear about what we're learning about them at NEP and to enjoy the most impressive vocal range of any British bird. We can hear four from where we're standing at the moment. It's the most glorious sound to be surrounded by that beautiful song. Um, All the other birds have gone to bed now, so all we can hear is is nightingales singing their hearts out, which is just amazing. Uh, But at the moment, the closest ones to us, there's two that are quite close, and you can probably hear them in the background, and they're still about 150 metres away. So we're going to go over and investigate where they are right now. We've just located two nightingales singing together, having a sing-off. Um, one is in a tree line uh, with some uh, some bushy bits in it, uh, but the other one is in this wonderful big patch of scrub. Um, in here we've got bramble, we've got blackthorn and wild rose creeping up through it as well. And little um, trees, little uh, I think I can see a silver birch in the background there. So this is just the most perfect bit of nightingale habitat and it's the best sound to hear them moving in here. So we've been very fortunate to come across these two males that are singing very close to each other in some brilliant habitat, but new habitat, habitat we haven't seen them occupying before, having territories. And we try and pin down exactly where they're singing from so we can get a really good idea of the habitat that's important to them. And where they're setting up their territories. And yes, what we've got here is two males that are singing against each other, proclaiming their territories. But at some points, one of them will take the lead and the other will copy. And they give these three or four bars worth of song before falling silent and then continuing with a slightly different song. And the one that's on our left here seems to have been leading a lot of the time with the one on the right coming in a couple of seconds later and mimicking and copying what the first male was singing. And then they go off on their own jazz-style song to do something different before then coming back together and apparently seeming to, yeah, copy each other. It's just absolutely beautiful. So we'll let you hear a bit more of them singing now. Thank you. 
So hopefully you picked up on that just now. We had the male on the left that appeared to be leading the one on the right, with the one on the right mimicking and copying what it was singing. And they do that for a few bars before then going back onto their own style for a while. And they're doing it again, just following one another. So, Penn, that was amazing, oh, wasn't that it? that was so cool. That's the first time I've ever heard two having that kind of mimicking. They were like dueling banjos. They, they were, were like dueling <laughs> banjos. Awesome. I don't know who's going to win out of the two of them, but they're both in pretty nice habitat, so... They're bracing quite well for themselves, I think. So, Penny, we talk quite a lot about scrub in this episode. We it's do. Probably, <laughs> probably worth it's us explaining scrubby. what we mean by scrub. So, um, we're actually in a very scrubby field at the moment, so I'm actually looking around uh, sort of for inspiration of actually how to describe it because I use the word scrub pretty much every day of my life working here at NEP. But it's actually, um, when you're looking at it, it's a really... Um, a diverse habitat uh, it's uh, low woody shrubs so species like hawthorn blackthorn willow um, those and sort of brambles wild rose and none of it's really more than what in this field but more than what 12 foot high or so yeah so yeah 12 foot would be absolute maximum um, it's quite low and dense and bushy uh, it's with the um, herbivores here it's being kept in check a bit it's kind of they're, they're you know the, the herbivores are fighting back against the succession that's coming with the scrub here so it's quite a tight habitat that's really good for nesting birds and it can be everything from like a growing out uh, thickety kind of feel to it to a little patch of low bramble that's about the size you know sort of lower than my knee you've still got birds nesting you've got white throats nesting in there so it really is quite diverse. And in between the scrub, you've got all these amazing uh, little areas of uh, grassland and, and open areas. They're very herb-rich, those areas. Yeah. So there's an awful lot that attracts the insects, I guess. Absolutely. And it's the edge of the scrub that's also really important. And the scrub itself is providing nuts, berries, insects, nesting habitat, shelter, uh, roosting sites for birds, mammals and insects. So it's really providing a habitat for a whole host of different species here. And one of the features of the scrub here, not always, because I mean scrub can be copies of woodland, that's that's that can be sort of hazel scrub. But one feature here is you've got a lot of very protective plants. So with the roses, the brambles, the nettles that mean that mammals aren't, I guess, gonna get in so easily to try and the herbivores, yeah. So it's it's actually giving that protective uh, guard against the herbivores and it's allowing species like we're seeing oaks, uh, taller willows, we have field maples we've even got wild service tree um, growing up with that protection of the thorns so it's protecting those trees as they're growing up I think that's a pretty good explanation about scrub it's in this context It's complicated <laughs> but I think we did it <laughs> I know what it looks like but it is hard to describe
So the scrub here at NEP creates this fantastic mosaic of habitats and the structural diversity as well as giving the nesting sites for the birds and the nesting material that they're going to collect to create those nests also provides the insect load, the insects that are there for the food for them and for their young. And that's one of the most important aspects to allow birds to breed successfully. Because when the chicks are born, these birds, um, the adults, are going to have to go out and find a phenomenal amount of insects to feed to their young. It's a very high protein source. And um, unfortunately for me, I think moths are brilliant, but I accept that most of the insects they're picking up may be moth caterpillars very often. And the scrub here at NEP provides a huge quantity of those caterpillars. There's so many different plant species here. There's both young trees and older trees coming up now. We've got an understory as well of um, different plants. So when these birds are moving around looking for to find food both for themselves and their young, they've got a really good chance of finding um, a great number of larvae quite quickly. But also it provides shelter to the birds as well from um, predators, both avian on the ground. So they've got a nice safe feeding area with an awful lot of food in it. And that means that the nests here, which we monitor, um, can be reasonably productive as well. Now, Penny, do you want to say any more about the scrub and the structure that it has here? Yeah, so um, really interesting thing I was reading the other day was that scrub is really important um, throughout the year for 39 different species of birds of conservation concern, 28 of which actually utilise the scrub for, during the nesting period. So I think that's really significant. You know, everything from Dunnock, linnets, yellowhammers, nightingales, turtle doves, they're all needing this kind of habitat. And this is such an important habitat that I think isn't appreciated on a landscape scale. It's often something that's being removed. So to have this abundance of scrub at NEP, we're really finding out the importance of it, whether it's during the nesting period, whether it's during autumn migration, so all of the fruit that is provided by uh, the bramble, the hawthorn and so on. That is really important fodder for those birds, especially uh, species like black cappers. They're coming through on migration. So they need to really put on layers of fat before they head south. Um, but also during the winter as well. So we've got red wings and field fare roosting in the scrub. Um, with lovely protection from the thorns um, and we're seeing big numbers of redwing coming to roost here and then also underneath the scrub is really important for species like woodcock so somewhere where they can hide up during the day where they can roost but all around the edges uh, that mosaic of different habitats around um, the different scrub structure it's really important habitat for insects for amphibians reptiles butterflies moths and so on so it really has got so much value the scrub that i don't think a lot of people recognize um but here at nep we can we can hear it now just how much there is going on around us it really is quite wonderful so we just spotted a cuckoo flying over which is really lovely to see sort of shot, shot over our heads um unfortunately wasn't singing at the time so it's probably on a mission i think but we think here at NEP they are uh, parasitising the nests of the dunnock. We have an abundance of dunnock here, especially our first bird surveys of the season. We're picking up probably hundreds of dunnocks here. 
So um, a female cookie will be species specific as to the uh, nest that she'll parasitise. Uh, so she'll um, lay eggs that look very similar indeed to her host species. Here is the dunnock, so a sort of pretty blue colour. So because there's an abundance of the dunnock in the scrub here, it means that species, another redless species, the cuckoo, uh, can really thrive in this habitat. And we found a good number of both rare, scarce um, species here today using the scrub habitat. So just in the field that we're here now, as well as the turtle dove that are singing on the edge and the cuckoo that Penny's just described flying over, we can also hear in the background now white throat, lesser white throat, there's some black caps that are using some of the bushes at the edge. Um, we've got long tail tits that we've seen coming yeah, out they're here. They're probably nesting here, it was perfect nesting. There's yellow hammer earlier. Yeah, yellow hammer. Um, we've seen the kestrel hunting, so again, this yeah. um, you know the edges of the scrub will be providing perfect small mammal habitat. So barn owls and kestrels will be doing really well in this kind of environment as well. And scrub itself is a, is quite a rare habitat, or at least it's not the kind of habitat you ever normally see on a nature reserve or in a large area like we have for NEP here, um, because normally scrub is transitional. And it's the large herbivores here that are keeping it in a scrubby type state. Um, very often, if you're on a nature reserve with a work party, you go scrub bashing. And there's absolutely a good reason for that. Um, scrub can overtake maybe a chalk grassland habitat, which might be very important for the flora, for rare moths and butterflies and such like. So you don't want scrub everywhere because it definitely is important to have these other areas for species. But... For somewhere like this, where at NEP the scrub is the dominant vegetation at the moment, um, and as it moves perhaps towards wood pasture, there is this period of time where we've just got an absolute abundance of scrubland birds, and we're very, very lucky to have them here. And it's not just the red list species, is it, Dave? You know, we've got... Um, you know, those wider countryside species that we're seeing in huge decline elsewhere that are doing really well in this habitat. You know, it's just this, the messy edges, the, you know, the growing out hedges, the growing out thickets, really important habitat for all sorts of different species, not just the rare ones. So we should celebrate the common ones as well. Absolutely. Yes, you said earlier about dunnocks. I've never seen so many dunnocks or heard them anywhere in my life. It's phenomenal. And we do lots of moth trapping here as well. And for instance, the moths, um, yes, the caterpillars are being predated by some of the birds, but there's a really interesting variety of moths that are um, here now that we're starting to pick up on some of our surveys. When this was just a grass field, as you were saying, five or six years ago, there would be species that were feeding on the grass, moth species. There would also be swift species feeding on the roots of the grasses you wouldn't have a diversity of moth species that are actually using that habitat. And what we've got here now, with this huge diversity in the plants that are here and the stage that they're at, so both sort of dwarf trees that are just starting up or then they're into scrub and some of them actually sort of breaking out in the canopy above. I can see a hawthorn here and a willow that's actually sort of broken through. It's survived being grazed and is now going to start to become a proper fully-sized tree. Um, this gives all these little niches for the larvae of a huge variety of insects, and that's what brings that diversity in. We really hope you've enjoyed this podcast 
And I'm now going to leave you with a Nep Nightingale solo from the depths of some scrub with the full moon overhead.